religions of the world say do, 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 the gospel of the grace of God says it's done. Well, that's the great wisdom our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, shares today on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we set off for another great adventure in God's Word. Before we begin our study in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's welcome Through the Bible's president, Greg Harris, who has a great update on our home group ministry. Yes, Steve, and and thanks to you constantly saving people a seat on the Bible bus, we have new people uh, hopping on the Bible bus all the time. So let's just take a minute to uh, explain what what is the home group ministry, because it's a very, very powerful and effective ministry that God has raised up. Yeah, why don't you give us a little details on, again, this was not us sitting in a planning session (laughs) in the first month of the year or the quarter or whatever saying, let's do home groups. Yes, that's right. It just happened, and it happened in a country where so much creativity comes for us, and that's out of the country of India. India, yeah, and 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 really, and we're smiling as we say this. If you think Steve and I and our board of directors are so smart that all these amazing things just flow out of our heads, uh, I hate to disappoint you. Nope. We are not that smart. Smart. We try to be faithful because that's what God calls all of us to. And so, uh, this started back, uh, in the, around 2012. I remember, uh, visiting India and George Philip was at that time the leader of Transil Radio India. And he said to me, Greg, we are so grateful for the commitment of Through the Bible and its partners and listeners to, to broadcast the full five-year series in 27 languages that we want to take it into the smaller language groups. Yeah. And I remember at the time saying, well, George, what do you want from me? Do you want funds? And he said, no, we, we're going to raise these funds locally. Uh, he said, uh, I just want your blessing to do this. And I said, okay, you, you are blessed. And, yeah. uh, and from that, I didn't really know what this was going to grow into. Then a, a few years later, about five or six years later, we went back and it was beginning to grow. And then we said, if we provide a little funding, will it accelerate the growth? Today, Steve, we have 20,000 of these home groups. Just think of it as a small group Bible study where you listen to a 30 minute teaching of Dr. McGee in your mother tongue. Yeah. Now you, you skipped over that. Yeah. How many home groups do we have now 20,000 all over South Asia not Don't just miss India. that yeah. I mean so we, we're not even <laughs> expecting it and yeah. suddenly we get strapped to this rocket ship of a, of a ministry and 20,000 yeah. home groups are going and boom it's even it's continuing to grow and our my prayer I'm praying myself that we're going to start doing some of these home groups in conjunction with the Bible companions that have been developed yeah, by yeah. Our, our VP of communications Barb yes, Peel yes. and we can start some of a, a, a more intentional home group ministry in the US and Canada oh, as well but I, that's I but that's to come. Okay, we'll be reading letters and, and, and testimonies from that. Now, your point about the 20,000 is good because they're not all in India. They've spread to Sri Lanka. They've spread to Nepal, to Pakistan, and Bangladesh. So let's take a minute to report on the Per Amid Society, which is that is our partner in Pakistan. Uh, they have been reaching out to the Doli tribe. That's D-H-O-L-I. They are one of the lowest caste uh, branch of the Marwari tribe. Now, if you don't know anything about the caste system, just think of it this way. If you are a low caste person, you are less valuable than an animal. Right. It's racism on steroids. It is It is the worst form of dehumanizing racism. So you, you never know how God, though, is going to use these ministries to these uh, people that are seen as the lowest of society. Let's read this uh this particular response. Yeah, here's from Munir. When I joined the home group, I was drinking a lot and engaged in many bad habits. Soon I learned about Jesus Christ and accepted him as my Savior. Pray for strength in my faith so I may live a life according to his word. 
Yes, and and I'm going to tell a story of, of a small girl in the Dolly tribe who heard about the program from somewhere through through some media player or via a home group. We don't always know how God plants the seed, but this little girl, through one of her cousins, reached out to one of our coordinators because we, we have people that organize and coordinate. We have th- over 3,000 groups in Pakistan, Steve, mm-hmm. and... This was our first step into the Hindu tribes that before that time was 100% unreached. So the letter you just read is is from one of the least reached people groups on earth. There's another one here I think is very encouraging. This is from uh, Samina, and she says, I struggle with depression. God's word helps, and so do the prayers of my home group. I am grateful that I am not alone and know that God is with me in these trials. And Steve, these are just tiny insights into massive things that God is doing uh, around the world. And we want to ask you, would you pray for our home groups and those who lead them? Because every one of these 20,000 plus groups has its own story. Yeah. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to have your hand of blessing on the home groups around the world, particularly in South Asia. I pray that you would bless the program as it goes out now all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's get to our study in 2 Corinthians 4 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we have here, as we come today to this fourth chapter, another segment of God's comfort. We've had in chapter 1, God's comfort for life's plans. Then in chapter 2, God's comfort in restoring a sinning saint. Then in chapter 3, God's comfort in the glorious ministry of Christ. Wasn't that third chapter wonderful? Well, we're not going to come down from the mount. We're going to stay right up there because now we have God's comfort in the ministry of suffering for Christ. I'm not sure about what we'll have to climb a little higher, and I'm not sure about what we're getting in an atmosphere where I have really difficulty in breathing, but let's go on up. He says, come up higher, and that's what we want to do. Now, verse 1 of chapter 4, I want to read. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, this is the ministry here, he says. This is a glorious ministry. The ministry that he's given to us today is a ministry that no man could have worked it out. It'd just be impossible for him to work it out. And I do not know why he let me in on it other than this. Because Paul says, as we've received mercy. And as we said before, that God's rich in mercy, and he didn't exhaust it before he got to me, and because he saw I'd need a whole lot of it, and he's been rich in mercy to me. And by mercy, he's permitted me to have this radio program. I can assure you that's the reason for it. And because of that, we faint not. We're rejoicing today. Someone got the impression the other day because I just made the statement that our program was unique, that I was lonely. My friend, I have never enjoyed the ministry as I have since I retired. And my wife says to me, if this is retirement, it's for the birds. She said, we've never been so busy in our lives. Oh, thank God, friends. In fact, the matter is my doctor made me slow down, and this body of mine just won't keep up with me anymore. And I saw it wasn't, and so I've slowed down a little, I can assure you. 
Now, listen to Paul. He says this ministry is wonderful. Well, what's so wonderful about it? Well, I'll tell you what's wonderful about it is this. I studied religions in seminary, and fact of the matter is, they so fascinated me that in the first few years of my ministry, I almost went in that direction to specialize in that particular field, but I didn't. But I am more or less acquainted with quite a few religions in this world. And if you want to know the difference between Christianity or the gospel of the grace of God and the religions of the world, it can be expressed in one word. All of them say, do, do, do. And the gospel says, done, D-O-N-E, done. The gospel says, God has done something for me. And I'm to believe it. I'm to trust him. And that's my approach to him. The only way I can come to him, by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. But the religions of this world, oh, they all say do. And I've been rather amused. I've taken the cults of this country. I did this years ago. One of them says there are four things you have to do to be saved. I disagree with them on every one of them. They do say faith. But their faith isn't a trust in Christ. It's anything but that. It just means that you believe that Christ died 1,900 years ago as a historical fact. Well, you just well believe George Washington crossed the Delaware or the Potomac. It was the Delaware, wasn't it? May I say to you, that won't save you. But just to believe Jesus died. My friend, Jesus died for our sin, according to the Scripture. Oh, how important that is. It's all important, my friend. So all of the religions of the world, they say, come on, do something, boy. And one of them has seven things you must do. And another one has ten things you must do, the Ten Commandments. May I say to you, they don't recognize they are not doing it, but nevertheless, they have all of that. Now, Paul at one time had been under the law. He knew what it was. But he could say very candidly, he says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Others may think they were really under the law. I was under it. And he says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he hoped that he'd be able to work out his salvation. And then one day he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the Damascus road. And he came to know him. And when he came to know him, he says that, I might be found in him not having mine own righteousness. You see, when Paul stood in the presence of Jesus Christ, he saw that Paul couldn't make it on his own. He'd have to have the righteousness of Christ. Might be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is by faith of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, now that was a new day for him. That's a new day for all of us. Now we need mercy. And God has been merciful. The love of God provided a Savior. God loved us. But God in mercy provided a Savior. And now he saves us by his grace. How wonderful he is. Now Paul's not through. He's going to say something else. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves 
to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, Paul says that there's something else, not for salvation. No, you're saved by the grace of God. But Paul says that great emphasis should be put on living the gospel. We've renounced, he says, the hidden things of dishonesty. You see, the fact that we've come to Christ and trusted him, it's not just that intellectual ascent that Christ died on the cross. It's that we trust him. And not only that we've trusted him, but we've been regenerated. That he now has saved us and we ought to be an example of the gospel. In other words, the man who preaches the gospel should be a holy man. And he says here we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Well, last time probably you thought I was not very kind to the Amplified Bible. Well, I'm going to turn and read it today, this verse, because the translation here is very good. It brings out all the facets of these words that Paul uses. Let me read now verse 2 in the Amplified Bible. You follow along in your Bible there. We have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires, and underhandedness, methods and arts that man hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, that is, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the Word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly, and so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God on every man's conscience. My friend, that's a very wonderful verse. Now, that gives meaning here. We are not to walk in hypocrisy. We shouldn't be unreal. Our behavior shouldn't contradict that which we are preaching. May I say it ought to be a conduct that meets the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not perfect, but at least we ought to walk in a way that is well-pleasing to him. And we are not perfect. Then he has another word here, not handling the word of God deceitfully. Someone has translated that huckstering, not huckstering the word of God. May I say to you, this gets right down to you. Mr. Preacher, many of you listen to me. Why do you preach? You preaching for money? You say you preach for the love of souls, but really is it the love of souls or is it money? I better examine my own heart in this connection. May I say to you, Paul could say, well, it's me if I preach not the gospel. And therefore, you can preach the gospel and say things that are absolutely true. And then your life, it's speaking another message all the same time. Oh, I want to say to you, I pray about this a great deal in my own life. And I say, oh, God, don't let me preach unless I can have a clear conscience. Unless there is the power of the Spirit of God. I don't want to preach unless there's those two things. You know, it's glorious to preach the gospel, but it's an awful thing to preach it. And actually, down underneath, there is that lack of sincerity lack of being committed to it, uh, having a conviction about it. And may I say, I'm not just talking to preachers, because they've already tuned me out, but I'm talking to you, Christian friend. You want to be a witness for Christ? 
and you are a witness. Actually, what he's speaking of here has been the clergy or the ministry is not the man in the pulpit. It's the man in the pew. We today ought to train people for the work of the ministry, Paul says. That's our business. We ought to help equip you. But I'd like to say to you that it's very important for us to recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ, he died for the sheep, not for the shepherd. He died for the sheep. And it's the sheep that are going to win sheep. The shepherd doesn't produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep, you know. Heard that the other day. That's tremendous. Shepherds can't produce sheep. My business is try to get you to witness. And by the way, are you doing something today to get the Word of God out? That's witnessing. God may have given you a gift to make money, and you're helping somebody get it out. You may be a man or woman of prayer, or you may have contact with people nobody else could reach. They wouldn't listen to me. I find that some people, they say, I don't want to listen to that fellow with that. What was it? I read a letter the other day. This party listened to me and thought I had a twang, and they were about ready to turn me off. They laughed at my accent, and then they kept listening. And there's a professor back in the University of Ohio. He said, when I tuned you in, I thought you was a screamer from my section of the country. That is East Tennessee and West Virginia. But he says, I found out you didn't run out of breath. I kept waiting for you to, and you didn't. And that man came to the Lord. Now, I can't reach all of them, though. A lot of them tuned me in, and then they tuned me out. But you could reach them. God's called you to witness, my friend. This is tremendous. Now, we come to something else that is tremendous here. Will you listen? He says, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world... And actually, I don't like to call him the God of this world, Satan, because he's not. I go out into the woods this past fall. Ms. McGee and I had the privilege of driving through eastern Ohio and West Virginia Pennsylvania and Maryland, around Virginia, and crossing to Indiana and Illinois and Missouri and Arkansas. Oh, how beautiful it was. And I say to you, that's God's world that we were looking at. Oh, sin has marred it, but still God's world. But it should be the God of this age. And Satan, my friends, the God of this age, he's running it. He runs the United Nations. He runs all the amusements. And he's running the whole show today, if you ask me. And he's the God of this age. And what has he done? Well, he has blinded. He says here, He hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine under them. Now, This is a tremendous thing that we have here. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, I don't understand the gospel. I've heard it all my life, but it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I've heard people say that again and again. What's happened? The devil has blinded you. The light is shining, but the devil has blinded you. So you can't see. Just like that miner I told about up in West Virginia. He was down in the mine and they had an explosion. And quite a few miners were trapped. And finally, they got food over to them. And then they got a light over to where they were trapped. And they turned on the light. And a young miner there, looking right into the light, says, Why don't they turn on the light? And all of the men looked at him startled. 
He'd been blind, you see. Satan's blind. And a lot of people say, why don't you turn on the light? I don't see the gospel at all. Satan's blinded you, my friend, if that's your condition today. Now, there's others, though, that say this. You know, there are things in the Bible that I cannot believe. Now, I don't know why, but I just can't believe them. I had a letter the other day from a man. He wanted to challenge me that I was giving out a gospel that's not true, and I knew the Bible was not true. Oh, the arrogance. And In fact, I wrote him. I told him I've never read a letter where I've seen such a display of ignorance and arrogance. And this fellow, really, my friend, was ignorant, and he was arrogant also. And you know what his problem was? His problem was that there were not things in the Bible he couldn't believe. There was sin in his life that the Bible condemned. He didn't want to believe it. And that's the condition of a lot of folk today. The problem is not with the Bible. The problem is with their lives. And my friend, if you want to go on indulging in your sin, then you can go on with your loss. But you can turn to Christ. Don't tell me you can't. You can. Paul, therefore, can say, we preach not ourselves. But Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. My friend, it's only the Lord Jesus that can save you. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, he goes back to the creation. And I don't know when creation took place. A great many folk think, those of us that are fundamentalists, that we believe that God created this universe in 4004 B.C. at 9.32 in the morning. My friend, may I say, that's about as asinine a viewpoint as I know anything about. I do not know any of my fundamental brethren that believe them. Way back yonder in the beginning, God created it. And I think in the ages of the past, and if you want billions of years, I say put them in. If you want trillions of years, put them in. If you need squillions of years, put them in, brother. Our God's a God of eternity. And he wasn't sitting around twiddling his thumbs waiting for man to appear on the scene. Man's a Johnny-come-lately, of course, but God's been here a long time. And this universe goes way back. I don't know what happened to it. Something happened to it. And it bears evidence of that. And finally, my friend, God moved in, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. So God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, and it shined in our hearts. What happens is this. The Holy Spirit of God, and the word back there in the Greek in Genesis 1 is that the Spirit of God brooded. And the Spirit of God brings conviction to us. And then he regenerates us. And the light of the glorious gospel shines in our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. And we're back looking at him again. Someone has said, the look saves, but the gaze sanctifies. And we need to spend a lot of time looking at it. But even at best, we're told we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And... Paul, again, is recognizing his weakness. I think Paul was sickly. And all of us are pretty weak individuals. I recognize I am. I do not even know how much longer I'm going to be around. You know, when you got cancer, you never can tell. And I thank God for the way he's kept me here and the way it looks now. But we have this treasure, and the Greek word is ostraka. Ostraka is what the archaeologist digs up today, broken pieces of pottery. 
That's all most of us are. We just sort of broken pieces of pottery. But we have this treasure. What is that? Well, that's the glorious gospel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, I want you to see something. Well, I can't let you see it today. We'll have to wait till next time. But how in the world is that light that's in the vessels, how is it going to get out? Well, if you want to find out the pattern God's given us, go back and read the story of Gideon. And we're going to look at that tomorrow. God has to break a vessel in order for the light to get out. That's the reason some folk have to be sick, the reason Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and the reason I can't help but believe that God's using weak vessels today, not strong vessels, but weak vessels. They let the light shine out. We'll be looking at that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. For more great teaching by Dr. McGee, join me for his Sunday sermon, Abounding Grace. You can listen at ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll meet you back here next time. May God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.